This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Welcome back to Shrink Chicks. We are so excited. So excited. To introduce our guest today, Amber Benzinger. And her, okay, so her bio on her website literally says she curses too much. So automatically, completely love her. We, like, and we think there's no such thing as uh, Yeah, I've never believed in too much cursing, especially for clinicians, man. Because there was there is that whole study that came out about people that curse and were trustworthy. But along with her amazing cursing credentials, she's a licensed <laughs> psychotherapist, a mental health advocate, speaker in Southern New Jersey. We fucking love Jersey. Burnout prevention, trauma therapy. And she's also the creator of the amazing Anxiety Lab. It's a one-of-a-kind membership service to help women manage and cope with anxiety through education, compassion, and community. So you guessed it, we're talking about anxiety today. Welcome, Amber. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here, and I'm so excited that I'm allowed to curse because I was nervous that I wouldn't be, and it would come out. <laughs> we would never do that to you, ever. I wouldn't be allowed on my own show. Right. Our <laughs> show would be canceled yes, already. Yes. <laughs> That's the beauty of podcasts as opposed to, like, when you do speaking events, especially, like, in professional communities. You, like, when you do a speaking event, you're like, I don't know. what. Do, the- they, bleep, do they bleep out shows anymore? Like, is that's I bet cable. I don't have cable. Do you I think cable? on some networks. Yeah, I don't have cable either. That's <laughs> no one has cable. Oh. No, no. I have cable. Right. I don't watch it, though. I only watch yeah. it on Netflix, right? No one's, no right. one's, uh, they're cursing on Netflix. Yeah, they're cursing on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah, it's a private thing. Who knows? But Amber, welcome. How are you today? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Can you tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I'm Amber Benziger, I'm a licensed professional counselor. Um, I have a private practice, it's just me in South Jersey, but it's currently virtual till God knows when because of COVID. (laughs) So here we are with that. Um, I also created the Anxiety Lab, which is a membership service, like you said. I created that during the pandemic because I was sitting in my feelings after I realized that my husband was right, this wasn't going to last two weeks. Um, (laughs) And I became really anxious and my coping skills weren't available because nothing was available so it was like okay where can I turn um and I got the idea to create that so I'm really excited about it it's amazing and this is I mean like such an important topic I want to say it's such an important topic right now it's such an important topic always but it's a hot topic right now everyone's talking about anxiety so let's sort of break it down because not everything's anxiety right? Right, right Some things are just worries. Some things are stress. So like, yeah, like how do you like, how are we defining anxiety here? Like, what do you think? I think anxiety is like when it's the excessive worry, when it's lasting for long periods of time, when it's not just like, oh, you know, is this person going to be mad at me? It's like where I have this overwhelming ruminating thought that I can't get rid of that's like eating away at you and it's lasting for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's a good distinction to make because there's parts of anxiety too that are helpful for you, right? Like there's reasons why we have anxiety you know our anxiety gets us to do certain things you know gets that adrenaline going you can yes. run faster you can right. 
my, like, right, I always think about, you know, that when the moms can, like, literally lift a car to get their baby out. <laughs> right. Right. I think that's, that, that's, that's anxiety and then, like, adrenaline. That's, yeah, that's I don't know pure, what's yeah. happening there. Absolutely. No, it's like, yeah, because anxiety is, like, a natural response. Everybody has it. It keeps us safe. But it's when we perceive a threat and the threat's not real and we kind of give into that perception that, like, this is a problem then that's where it's like, okay, let's take a step back and challenge that and really look into it. Like, is this an issue or have I kind of created it? Um, and that's my anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so one of the things I think we hear a lot is where does anxiety come from? So, I mean, I, it can come from a lot of places, you know, it can come inherently, like, are you an anxious person? Um, it can come from things that have happened in your past and like your core beliefs. So we all have these systems. I always talk about that uh, Disney movie, like Inside Out, you know, where they're like, oh, those core memories. Like we all have those core beliefs um, and it kind of creates who we are and these messages that we have about ourselves. And sometimes we'll have a message like, you know, I'm not enough or I'm not good enough. And then we get in these situations and that kind of creates this anxiety because we go back into that core belief um, where like normal situations that maybe other people who don't have anxiety wouldn't think were so stressful, just be like, oh, okay, my friend's mad at me, like whatever. But if you're, if you have someone with anxiety and you already have that belief of like, well, people don't like me, people don't think I'm good enough, then it becomes overwhelming and anxious. You were, you were saying that during COVID, you could feel that your anxiety was really high and that your coping mechanism, like they just weren't present. The, the things that you would use to cope what would you say your, this is one of our listener questions, what would you say your favorite coping mechanism is for anxiety? Uh, definitely music. Like I have a playlist, like when I'm anxious, like when I have to go to the grocery store, especially during like the pandemic, I'm like, get away from me people. So I also like my, my earbuds in and like my anxiety playlist and it like keeps me grounded in the mood. It's something that I like and kind of brings me down. So definitely music. And then like a change of scenery when I'm anxious and I'm sitting in my office or whatever, like get outside, move my body, do something that I'm, you know, outside of what I'm doing now to kind of change it up for myself. I like that. What's your, what do you think your favorite coping mechanism is? My favorite coping is being outside. Yeah. I would say like, for me, like being in nature is a really big thing. Like if I'm having a hard time, I need to walk physically outside, especially if it's cold out and take big breaths. Um, and I think like, for me, it's like sensory, you know, I don't know if it's part of my ADHD, but I really need something in my hands. I have a lot of energy coming out. And so if, for me, if it's a shock, if it's, um, cold air, if it's a cold shower, if it's something hot, that seems to really help me grounding wise. Do you have one? Mine is disconnecting from technology. I think just disconnecting in general, from like being very present with myself. And I think that technology so often takes me away from that. So I think that disconnecting from technology is really important. And I think that changing the scenery up to getting outside is something that can be really, really helpful with that. Um, Cause I think that's important. I think people, you know, really struggle to find coping mechanisms for themselves. Is, is that part of anxiety lab? Yeah. If someone wants to join anxiety lab, would they maybe get some ideas for coping mechanisms? Absolutely. So every month there's a different topic under the umbrella of anxiety and I have a workbook that goes with it. So there's always coping skills to go with whatever we're talking about. Um, This month we're talking about panic attacks. So coping skills and grounding techniques that go with that, because I think what we also don't realize is like 
one coping skill isn't going to fit everybody. Like we just named three different ones for the three of us. So it's like, what works for me? And also what situation goes with what skill? So that's definitely something we talk about in the anxiety lab. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So now everyone has to go join the anxiety lab that's listening there. You Immediately. Go. We're going to yeah. put all the information up on that on our social media as well. So so another question somebody had asked him, which I thought was fabulous for the answer is somebody had asked, what are some of the less common physical manifestations that might not be widely recognized as anxiety symptoms? Yeah, I was just talking about this on Instagram the other day. So um, I think we, we all think of like, you know, sweating and chills and like headaches are common, but we don't think of like GI issues. Memory loss is a really big one. People don't realize that when they're anxious, they're holding their breath. They might not even know why they're doing it. Um, so, uh, brain fog and kind of like, uh, stepping outside of yourself, like depersonalization, derealization, those are common ones, um, that I feel like aren't talked about enough. We are so excited to share our newest sponsor with you all, Hungry Root. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. The team at Hungry Root just sent me a new box full of amazing stuff. It was literally like I was opening a present going through it. Seeing what was inside and trying everything was just so thrilling. In my Hungry Root box was chicken salad, veggies, dumplings, shakes, cookies, and so much more. My favorite thing I tried was the drumroll donuts. I highly recommend them. The ordering process could not have been more simple. You take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all of your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal tastes, but each order is fully customizable. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, health snacks, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, and much more. Hungry Root has made my daily meal prep so much easier. The mental load of grocery shopping is exhausting, and Hungry Root gives me back that mental energy. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. When bloggers or influencers post their outfit links, nine times out of 10, I click on it and immediately exit because the price is bananas. It wasn't until recently that I clicked on something expecting it to be the usual out of my price range sweater and it was under $60 at Quince. Quince has become my ultimate destination for luxury essentials that won't break the bank. Let me tell you about some of the gems I found at Quince. From their 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters starting at just $50 to their washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, Quince offers a range of high quality items at prices that are truly within reach. And here's the best part. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Yes, you heard that right. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman passing the savings on to us. I recently got my hands on one of their washable silk tops and let me tell you it has become a staple in my wardrobe. Not only is it incredibly versatile, I've worn it to work, out with friends, and even dressed it up for a date night, but 
with the qualities unmatched. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrink chicks for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash shrink chicks to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash shrink chicks. No, I, I mean, I think it's true. I think you're right. Like sweating, I feel like su- like sweating and tight chestness is like what everyone talks about. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was not ideal when they're also COVID symptoms. Right. Right. <laughs> that was further triggering the anxiety. That was made it really rough for that whole share, right. shared but, symptom thing. But I think it's important because everyone experiences anxiety differently, right? So one person's symptoms might look different than another person's. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk now about like high functioning anxiety yes. and how that manifests manifests itself because um you know, it, it seems like it's it's harder to spot in someone because it's something that helps you to function. Um, we had a listener question just about high-functioning anxiety now. It says, high-functioning anxiety is praised, which made me unaware that I even had anxiety. What are the signs to look for with high-functioning anxiety, would you say? That's such a good question because we live in this, like, hustle and grind world where it's like, oh, you didn't take a vacation because you were going to work. Like, that's amazing. Like, no, <laughs> like, we're on a, we're on a fast track. Not great. <laughs> right. We're on like a fast track to burnout, but like that perfectionism and that um, like going above and beyond and saying yes, when you want to say no. So really checking in with yourself about like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want to, do I feel good after it? Do I feel good doing it? Um, and really creating that self-care routine for yourself before you get burnout because it should really be preventative, right? So like self-care shouldn't be like afterwards, like, oh, I'll just take a long weekend after I burnt myself out for a month and then jump right back into that same schedule. So what can I do to kind of create that for myself? What do I need? And like really finding like your why, why am I doing these things? Am I doing these things because I feel like my worth is built on my productivity because I really care about what this person is saying or because like I really give a damn about this and I want to do it. I think it is easy to miss if you have high functioning oh anxiety gosh. because it serves mm-hmm. you in certain mm-hmm. ways, right? Like, and, and I think too, it would be hard, you know, I think people feel like, okay, if I work on this then that means I have to completely give it up, mm-hmm. right? Like if I work on my high functioning anxiety or if I do something to work on my anxiety in general, it's, it means I'm not going to be productive or I'm not going to get things done or I'm not going to be able to do my job in the same way. But I think that finding a balance, right? Like when does your anxiety serve you? And then when Mm -hmm. is it not serving you? Um, And so I think people are going to probably have these like moments and listening to this of like, oh, wait, maybe I do have high functioning anxiety. (laughs) I have high functioning anxiety. I'm such a perfectionist. And I'm like, whoa, dude, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Are you doing this? Because like, especially like during the pandemic, I was like, I need to create something. I need to do all these things. I need to be perfect. I need to make these weird Pinterest meals for my family and my children. Like, <laughs> no girl, take a time out. Like, what are you doing? It was like in overdrive because I needed to feel like I had all this control and it was like good enough. And I was making good use of this time. Like, mm-hmm. no. I so think really was, checking myself. Yeah, that was really common. That happened for us too. We went into like yeah. overdrive, like the amount of things we just reflected the other day on the amount of things that we did during this, during 2020. And well, we were also, also like, especially like as a 
small practice owner, you're like, is everything I've worked for going to fall apart? Right? So like, scary. we were all so scared because we're like, we is had anxiety. Is anyone going to have money for therapy? Is therapy going right. to go out the window because people think it's excessive? Like, you know, the reality was, was turns out people really out- need therapy. It went the other way, but yeah. when it first started, it was so much unknown. It felt like the only thing we could do to control was to say yes to everything. Absolutely. I felt the same way. Like I remember sending out the email to my practice, like I'm going to move everything online and like crossing my fingers, like everybody's going to be like, like, screw you. Like I'm not coming. Like, what you bitches? No. And I was like, please, like, I don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, I I totally relate. Right. And some people, I mean, I mean, some people said like, oh, I'll wait till you're back in person. I was like, all right. I was like, all right, cool. Like I'll see you in two weeks. (laughs) That's funny. Right. And then, yeah, then like two months later, you're like, so you got you to come back because like, I'm not coming back in person. Anymore. Right. <laughs> so, but, and I think that that's also like, you know, you talk to yourself about like being a mom that really, for me, it like can come out in motherhood of like highly functioning, right? So like, I always think about like, my anxiety is helpful in motherhood because um, I'm always watching my daughter. She's not gonna get hit by a car when she's riding her bike. Right. But it's not helpful when I'm like helicopter, right? So right. like, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. Absolutely. Yeah. I have to watch that too. Like making sure that I'm not projecting my anxious nature onto them so that they're not like, wait, is there a danger? Like mm. trying to play it super chill and cool. Like this is fine. Even though I'm like, oh my God, do not climb on that. Like you have to let them <laughs> like, do it. So cool, it's like this, right. It's like this crazy balance. Like, I'm, I'm, like, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm exhausted, but yeah, it's great. I'm totally <laughs> fine. Everything's okay. Because it, because true. I mean, I had a mom who was very anxious have a mom who's still very anxious (laughs) and the way in which it manifests itself is that when you have someone who is like very anxious and 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 projecting the anxiety onto you you internalize that you end up being an anxious person Mm -hmm. and here I am today (laughs) anxious today I say that about my son I call him like Mr. Safety because he's always like saying to my daughter like Talia do you think you should be doing that is that safe and I'm like oh no is that me like oh oh (laughs) like where did that come from (laughs) right Um, but I think it touches a little bit on, cause I think that anxiety, a lot of people, what comes out is like this fear of the unknown, right. Which is something that we've all had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was especially prevalent in this last year. Can you speak a little bit to that? Like why about why that piece of it is so strong, that fear of the unknown? I think we all hate uncertainty because we want this sense of control. We want to feel like we know what's going to happen. We're prepared for it. And I think for myself, I always have to remind myself, like, girl, were you ever really in control of that? Like, mm-hmm. no, like, and think about like, what do I actually have control over? Okay, I have control over like how I'm feeling in this moment, how I react, um, and be really present in what's going on now, like bring myself back, like, why am I going to worry about something that either didn't happen yet, or is the future to bring myself back to the present by grounding myself and focusing on like what I do have control over even if it's something as simple as like okay let's just focus on what's for dinner tonight and not focus on what you know is going to happen in December for playing for the holidays like calm it down so really like questioning myself I would say like my biggest um, thing to help my anxiety is to be curious like why am I feeling this way what's going on what can I control now and like really checking in with me 
that's, and I think that that in itself is like such a skill to develop, mm-hmm. to be able, cause when, you know, when you're in, in the thick of the anxiety, mm-hmm. it's hard to even realize you're in it because you're so in your head. And so to go from being in the thick of it to taking yourself back to being like, okay, wait, where is this coming from for me? I'm recognizing that something's coming up for me. And, and I think a piece of it, and I, I know we always love to talk about this too, is how anxiety manifests itself physically. Um, that sometimes we notice it more in our bodies before we can notice it in our minds. Um, can you speak to some of the the physical manifestations of anxiety? Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit, right? Like yeah. the, okay. So I think a lot of times too, that we don't realize that we're like holding the stress and stuff in our bodies. So maybe we're like, oh, we have this under control, but like, why am I not sleeping? Why am I up all night? Why am I getting chronic headaches? Um, why am I feeling sick and lethargic all the time? Is that, am I running myself down? So really like checking in and listening to your body um, and kind of like, okay, wait a second, what what's causing this? Cause like, I'm not really sick. You know what I mean? So is it me putting too much stress saying yes when I want to say no going above and beyond and doing the things that I really don't need and don't really serve me. Well, it's wild how many people, I would imagine you've totally had this experience too as a clinician. It is wild to me how many clients that have come in that was like, well, I went to the ER because I thought I was having a heart attack and it was a yeah. panic attack. And they're like, no, 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 you're just stressed and anxious. Like right. you go to therapy, you don't come into the hospital. And it is so wild that people, yeah, like they can be so in tune with their physical thing and go to the hospital, which in my opinion is even scarier than going to therapy, but I understand. Um, right. <laughs> like I don't go to the fucking hospital. Um, right. But, right. But like we're more willing to get help for a physical symptom than a mental symptom right like that one we seem as like we're allowed to take time off of work for that or we're allowed to go to the doctor we're allowed to do this but going to therapy and talking about it is like frivolous or something yeah no I uh, agree 100% there's so many people that call me or come into my office like my doctor's telling me that I need to go to therapy because that's why I'm not sleeping I don't know why they won't give me medication and it's like well, like, are you stressed out about something? Are you anxious about something? Like, where are your thoughts? I think people don't even realize like, oh, wait, this isn't normal because they're so used to living with it. I think yeah. we create that, create it as our norm. Like, no, I'm just supposed to be like super hyper vigilant and super stressed out all the time and super worried. But like, no, you don't have to live like that. Yeah. Um, way. And yeah, so it's like really your body's like, okay, well, if you're not going to listen, like I'm going to make you stop and listen. Yeah. And the, I think the stigma around focusing on like the mental health part of it is so different than focusing on the physical health, yeah. on, on your physical health. Right? Because if you're having tight chests, of course, go to the hospital, right? Like right. everyone's like, right. call, right. Even your boss would be like, oh my gosh, take the day, go to the hospital, go to urgent care. But, right. oh, I'm having a, a heart. Well, are you getting enough rest? Well, right. are you getting self-care? Right. <laughs> and I feel like those things have become like, such like buzzwords like self-care where like I feel like I spend a lot of time like explaining to my clients like I mean if you want to go to the spa and you want to do a sheet mask do you girl but like that's not all it is you know what I mean so I think like people don't take that seriously because you see it kind of used everywhere so everywhere and I think like the thing the piece of self-care too of like really recognizing you know, like where your thoughts are going and being able to ask yourself those questions, just as you said, to say like, where is this coming from for me? Like having that internal dialogue is like a part of self-care too, to be able to like nurture yourself through it in a different way. Yeah. And allow yourself to like really feel it instead of push it away. 
like I think distraction works sometimes, especially when we're in those situations where it's like we're in a crowd, we can't be like, hold on, let me like do this butterfly hug technique or some weird grounding. You're like, it looks strange. So like, I get it. Like, let me just distract myself really quick. But like, if we keep doing that, it just keeps coming back in yes. different forms. And then that's how we get those like uh, physical forms. We get those panic attacks. Yeah. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feet is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising to fix my fine lines and thinning hair, but when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. Your formula couldn't exist without you. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. They get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to your age, exercise, and stress levels in order to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They asked me about my hair loss being genetic in my family, how long it takes for my hair to get oily after a wash, what products and tools I use to style my hair, and even my zip code to understand how the water hardness, UV index, and cold dry winter in Philly might be impacting me. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed my hair is so much softer, shinier, and fuller. I keep getting asked if I got a blowout from the salon. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party double-bind dermatologist-supervised clinical controlled study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash shrink chicks say goodbye to the cheap razor era my friends it's time to treat your body to the premium shave it deserves with athena club em and i just got back from an amazing trip to the caribbean to celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our practice the therapy group and in haste of packing because yours truly is a packing procrastinator i forgot my athena club razor at home and had to resort to using a subpar flimsy razor that left my skin feeling anything but smooth a mistake i will never make again the athena club hype is real the shave is seriously the smoothest I've ever experienced, and that is especially evident after having to use another razor in its absence. Aside from the amazing smoothest, let me tell you why Athena Club's razor kit is a must-have in your self-care routine. First off, can we talk about the price? At just $10, it's an absolute steal. But don't let the price fool you. This razor packs a serious punch. It comes with a beautifully made ergonomic handle and two super sharp razor heads that deliver an incredibly smooth shave every time. Plus, with the included magnetic hook, storage is a breeze. No more dealing with gooby blades or unexpected midnight shower crashing sound surprises. And the quality of the shave is top notch. Those five precision engineered blades glide effortlessly, leaving you a silky smooth skin every time. Plus, the water activated serum and built-in skin guards ensure a comfortable irritation-free shave. Are you ready to upgrade your shaving experience? Switch to the best razor on the market and show your skin you care with Athena Club. Head over to athenaclub.com to try their award award-winning razor and body products and get 20% off your first purchase with code shrinkchicks at checkout. You can also find Athena Club razors at your local Target store. Trust me, you won't look back. Happy shaving.
Okay, so I have a question for you because I would imagine this has just grown so much over this past year is let's talk about death and dying and sickness anxiety because I think health anxiety has skyrocketed. Fear of death has skyrocketed. And also for a lot of us, um, I think especially as millennials get older, there's a big thing about our parents getting older and passing. So Mm -hmm. I was hoping you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so I feel like that's a tough one because a lot of times it's like, okay, question this. Is this real? Could this happen? Like, eventually, yes, we know this is going to happen. So it's like, how do I not worry about it? Um, it's that thing about, okay, can we ground ourselves and can we stay present? But then also, like, facing that, like, can we be more prepared? I know it's difficult to have those conversations, but especially in, like, things like exposure therapy, where it's like we kind of expose ourselves to that happening. What will that be like? What do I have in place? What um, support systems do I have, you know, talking to your parents, what does that look like to kind of have yourself more prepared and feeling those feelings. I mean, you, it's going to be sad. It's going to like just accepting that, but kind of knowing that like, okay, I have some sense of like, I know what's going to, I know what's going on, some sense of preparedness. Right. Right. Like, cause I think we try to, you know, we try to say like, okay, that's not, you know, that's not going to happen. They're, they're fine. They're healthy. You know, that that's a piece of almost like avoiding the anxiety or pushing it down in some way. And that it obviously is going to keep coming back where, you know, and I, of course it's going to be really hard when that happens. And so that it sounds like it, it goes hand in hand with being able to accept, recognize the anxiety as opposed to pushing it away to be able to say like, okay, I'm feeling this right now. And I, you know, I know that this is something that's going to happen. And so how is that going to feel for me? How will I take care of myself through that? Um, Wait, okay. So then I have a question. So then we're at this other time, right? So, which is like now the world's kind of starting to open up as more people get vaccinated and people stop caring, apparently. It's a whole other thing <laughs> about COVID, you know, where people are doing whatever the fuck they want, apparently. But right. <laughs> I think there's now an increased health anxiety. Uh-huh. Like for a lot of us, I'm wondering if you're starting to see that more in your practice. I have, uh, as of late, especially as I feel like the world opened up, I thought it would be more of like, at the beginning, like, oh my gosh, do I have COVID? But I didn't really see that as much as like, when the hell is this going to end? Like, what's going on? What is happening? It was more of that. Now it's like, wait, do I have COVID? What are the long-term effects? Um, what is, is this person not being safe? Is thing, are things opening up too fast? Like, am I sick? So I feel like, again, really grounding yourself, like, okay, am I doing everything that I can to be cautious? Am I doing everything that I can to, you know, be okay? Do I know what this looks like? Um, and then, having somebody you can trust like especially in the medical field like do you trust your doctor can you talk to them um and then I think they're I mean I'm a therapist therapist. so like I think therapy is always great because like okay let's talk that through say you get say you do get sick say you get COVID what happens what does that look like what's going to happen because I feel like we become so anxious in the uncertainty of it all so like let's talk it through instead of let's just like sit and and ruminate in it right well I love what you just said about like, like who's your team that you trust, right? And I think a lot of us, now we won't even get into how many people don't simply have insurance in this country, but for a lot of us, even that do have insurance, I can't tell you how many people I talk to that don't have a GP or don't have a PCP because right. they don't feel comfortable or they aged out of their pediatrician and never found someone. So they just go to urgent right. care anytime, which right. isn't a problem for some people, but it could be potentially a problem if you're someone who has anxiety or specifically has health anxiety because Mm -hmm. then you're seeing a new person every time of whoever happens to be at the urgent care and it's true as opposed to now if you look specifically in our area right at jefferson or mainland health um 
any of these things, um, you can just write in a message and they get back to you. Mm -hmm. But it's true. So many people do not feel comfortable and don't feel like they really have a team they can go to and trust. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think, well, yes, we could talk about healthcare forever, but I feel like it's having that support system. Yeah, having that support system and having those people in place, whether that's medical, family, like people that you can trust and that get you and then are going to be like, you're overreacting and be dismissive. You know what I mean? You want someone that can listen to you and, and take the time and be attentive. Mm-hmm. Which actually brings up another question because someone wrote, how do I explain to someone my anxiety who's never felt it before, which I think is a huge one. Especially for couples, I would imagine if one partner has and one partner doesn't. Yes, I am that person. I'm the anxious person. Or <laughs> my husband's like, everything is fine. And I'm like, ah, the house is on fire. So I think it's really explaining to that person because that person cares about you and they love you and they, they want to understand. So really explaining how it affects you personally. Because it, again, anxiety is like one of those buzzwords. Everybody's like, I'm anxious. So like, what does that mean? So really honing in what it means to you. Like, giving examples like I feel like I want to be able to go out to dinner but I can't because um, my chest tightens up like I can't leave the house I'm feeling so overwhelmed or I'm up all night so really explaining it about how it affects you and how it affects like you and that person you know I haven't called you back because of this or something like that so they can really understand like oh wow that's what you're going through Um, and then just I feel like being vulnerable and honest with that person allowing them to ask questions and then giving them ways that they can support you because that's really going to be helpful they're kind of like okay what's going on what does this look like if you're saying like hey just listen to me hey just give me some space so that they can really understand like what it is that you need and maybe explaining a couple of your triggers so they can be aware like if you're in social settings and you start to like shake or something like that they can be like hey are you okay do you need to step away just so they know they know how to support you and then you're also getting the support that you need so you don't feel like alone I love that part about letting them know what you need in those moments Um, and to be able to say you know when you're not feeling the anxiety to be able to say when I do feel anxious this is what it looks like and this is what I might need in those moments or this is how you can support me in those moments because usually like our friends our partners they have no idea not no I mean, if you've never experienced it, right? right? And it's hard to know. And everyone's everyone's anxiety is different. People need different things in those moments. Like some people might need to be left alone. Some people might need to be hugged, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's so many different things that we might need in those moments. And so to be able to first figure out what that is for you, right? Like what would be helpful in those moments? And then to be able to express that at a time in which you're not feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and definitely just being, I think, being honest because I think sometimes I try to like especially early on in my relationship I tried to be like okay I can handle this but I couldn't and then I would like lash on other ways like I feel like people don't realize that like anger and irritability is a really big symptom of anxiety so like (laughs) like, postpartum rage not anxiety that was my big thing postpartum rage And I feel like people don't realize that like, yes, I'm super anxious. I'm going to be like, get the hell away from me because I'm so in my thoughts and my body is just so in like this super hyperactive mode. I can't handle whatever it is. Even if it's a little thing like, Hey, what do you want for dinner? Like, no, like get the hell away from me. Wait, is that you, Amber? That is me. I think we're kings <laughs> of spirits. That's me. I go like, really like I can remember being pregnant and I was like, everyone's like, Oh, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression. No, 
I remember throwing a glass at the wall one time. I was so angry. I, I just had like severe postpartum rage. Oof. Yeah. And no, then I, but that's how it came out. Yeah, no, I am, if I'm super anxious, I mean, now I've learned to control it a lot better, but it would be like, especially like 22 year old Amber. Oh yeah, that girl was a nut. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like people don't realize it. And I, I couldn't think, I couldn't figure out what it was. And I was like, wait a minute, this is happening like when I'm anxious. So it's like, okay, how do I control that? So I can express, because I couldn't express what I needed. I couldn't express how I was feeling. So it was really like being able to communicate that. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having this like crazy, like I can say my husband, like I'm having this like crazy ruminating thought of like something ridiculous. Like your dad hates me right now. Like, and that's not even true. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. We're, we're, and I, we're, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it often, so often too comes out as anger in men because men are socialized uh, to Sports. believe that anger is like a stronger emotion. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that like the feeling, the physical feeling of anger and anxiety, like are very similar, right? Like there's such a tightness internally. Um, yeah. But I think for men, sometimes it, it's, it's coming out as anger when underneath it could be anxiety or could be a whole host of other emotions. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think it's just really getting in touch with like, where is this coming from? Again, like you said, having that ability to do that. And it's not always easy. It's definitely a process and work, but when you are able to do that, it makes so much more sense to yourself. You're either to come back quicker. And I think that's what people don't understand about anxiety. I, it's like my, the bane of my existence. When I see people like, I can eliminate your anxiety in these four steps. Like oh my gosh. that doesn't, no, there is no elimination, but you learn how to manage it better. And it becomes like a quicker thing. Like, okay, I realize this is my anxiety. I can label it as such and like move on with my life. It's not eliminated, but you know, right. manage and it, it. Right. And it never will be. Yeah. And right. I think that the acceptance of it is a way in which it, it helps you to nurture yourself through it in a different way, as opposed to when you're trying to push it down, right? The more you try to push it down, the more it's going to come up, the more you're going to be panicking about the fact that you're panicking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I just think that 22-year-old Amber and 22-year-old Emily would have really had a good time together and then gotten, had a lot of issues together. Um, <laughs> I think we're on the same wavelength. But I also think there's a part where like, that's also then like where shame can start to grow, right? Mm -hmm. If you look back and feel like embarrassed of that part of yourself, even if you're like, that was about anxiety, that was about like not having the ability to verbalize needs and emotional wellness but it feels very shameful and I think there's a lot of people especially women who can end up feeling that way but someone we have quite a few people that want to know the difference of stuff right so okay. a few people want to know about the, the difference this is a very interesting one I am excited to see we've what got you this question a lot we too. have gotten this multiple times I feel like we've Ooh. answered multiple times but it's never no one ever likes it so people really want to know the difference between anxiety and intuition Man, I hope there's a lot of pressure. I know. Sorry. That's okay. It's like, I actually get this question a lot and yeah. uh, it's, I, it's surprising, but to me, anxiety is rooted in fear. So like if it, if you're coming from this like place of like fear and worry and stress, that's anxiety. I feel like intuition is like this place that's like grounded in an observation and in like, there's some sense of clarity. Like, even if you don't like the answer you still feel like okay that's it like you feel good about it like this like moment of like okay eureka type of thing where anxiety is just like oh my goodness what is happening like I can't control it so I feel like it feels different like there's more like physical symptoms of like stress and worry whereas that intuition is like oh okay that's it 
Mm, even if it sucks. Yes. I like yes. that answer. That's a very good answer. I, that might be the winning answer. I think it is. We're going to type it we'll, up. We'll see. We'll if see. People keep asking it. Yeah, we're going to type that one up. Okay. Anxiety attack versus panic attack. Okay. So panic attack is like physical in nature. It's like when you're in the ER and you're like, I'm dying. What is this? Like you can't breathe. Your whole body is like, feels like it's like shutting down. You're like in overdrive or hyperventilating where anxiety attack is more like, yes, it can be a physical where it's like, okay, I'm, you know, heaviness in your chest, but it's more like these ruminating thoughts. It's just like, you can't stop. It's like the feeling of extreme overwhelm or panic attack is like completely physical. It also goes away in like 30 ish minutes with like that heightened at the 10 minutes. Whereas an anxiety attack, it's usually like based on something. So like if, you know, I'm fighting with a partner or whatever, and we make up, then my anxiety is gone. Whereas a panic attack can just like come out of nowhere. It doesn't really even need to have some type of specific um, instance to occur. All right. Love it. That's okay. Now, last, oh, this is your final difference. Final difference. <laughs> I guess this is a test. Like sweating <laughs> over there. Anxiety <laughs> versus worry versus stress. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So I feel like are you are you Wikipedia? Like people just really want you to be Wikipedia. Uh, yes. <laughs> Hold on, let me get out Google. So I feel <laughs> like stress and worry can create anxiety. So everybody has like stress and worry. That's those are normal. Everybody has anxiety, but I feel like it's when the stress and worry become like overwhelming and all-consuming. So like yeah, I can be stressed out about like what am I going to make for dinner tonight? But if I if it becomes like what am I going to make? I don't know what I'm going to do. And like, I'm just like sitting in it. That's when it becomes anxiety. So there's like a normal amounts of stress and worry. You know, if you're a parent, you're going to worry about your kids. If you're a kid, you're going to worry about your parent. You know I mean? That's the, those are normal. But when it becomes like all consuming, that's anxiety. Do you feel like you're back in grad school with these definitions? Yeah. She's like, this is, <laughs> like I'm like, I'm like, okay, good job. You got this. This is, this, is, this is actually how the board relicense you now. You have to do a random podcast. <laughs> this is your relicensure. This is actually a surprise. We are part of the board. <laughs> You've passed so far. No way. You have too much personality for that. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Wow. Great fucking response. Really great. Oh, man, I'm trying to hang out with Amber. All right. <laughs> We're, we're going to travel to Jersey. We're having a post-COVID date, man. I'm trying to chill. Please do. Um, all right. Here's a really great one, which I think is really easy, is people are sort of asking about how does anxiety present in people, how, how does anxiety present differently in people with depression versus people not with depression? I think for anxiety and depression coupled, it can become like this cycle where like you have these moments where you're feeling really anxious and then after they end or they kind of lead into the depression of like, okay, like now I feel really low that like I was super anxious about that. So it can kind of be like this like secular thing. Um, so I feel like that's the difference. It, they just kind of like feed off of each other and, and into each other. I love that. But I don't think it's like, if you have anxiety with depression, your anxiety looks different because everybody's anxiety looks different. So it's kind of hard to say like, if you have depression, your anxiety will look like this. Like, I don't think that that's the case. I just think that when you have both, it becomes like the secular thing that really plays off of each other. And that can just be really like overwhelming and kind of like disheartening. So again, plug for therapy. I think therapy would be a really great way to kind of help you break out of that cycle. 
So who would, okay, so what I know, so who would be candidates for the anxiety lab? If you are a woman that is struggling with anxiety, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel like I've lost all control and I don't know what to do, come to the anxiety lab. If you are feeling panic and overwhelmed and you're like, what's next? I don't know what coping skills to use, come to the anxiety lab. If you are a woman that is anxious, we are here for you. So I feel like you're yeah. going to get so much business just from that. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah, I know me too. Yeah. Right. We're signed up. We're going to the anxiety lab. Um, what do you think? What is your number one piece of advice? What's the takeaway for people with anxiety? What do you want them to know? I think my biggest takeaway is to be so gentle with yourself and just have self-compassion. I think we are so hard on ourselves especially women, we are hard on ourselves. We think that we need to be perfect. We need to be on, we need to do all the things and no one can do all the things. So take it one thing at a time, be nice to yourself. Think about the way that you're talking to yourself and the way that you're showing up for yourself and, and get curious when you're anxious, like think about like what's going on. What is, what is this telling me what's happening? Um, and really kind of sit with yourself. I know that sound. I know that's like one of those annoying ass things that therapists say like same with yourself but really like instead of running from it really try to acknowledge that you're having anxiety label it as such and really feel it and really ask yourself like where is this coming from that's awesome that's great it's true you got to sit with yourself yeah amber <laughs> where can people find you so they can find me on instagram my handle is amber underscore verse underscore anxiety uh you can find me at uh, theanxietylab.com or you can find me at vitalitybehavioral.com that's my private practice wonderful, wonderful. thank you so much thank for being you. with us today you've helped so many people I'm sure just with them listening to this then check out <laughs> the anxiety that. lab check out yes, the anxiety lab if this episode related to you or you think someone might benefit from it um, feel free to pass it along you can always rate review and subscribe and listen anywhere that you listen to your podcast we love you and we'll talk to you all soon 